Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 986 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Therese. She's had type 1 diabetes for 20 years, and we're talking about eating, really, in this episode. Nutrition and gut health and digestion. I really enjoyed this conversation with Therese. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Don't forget, drinkag1.com forward slash juicebox to get started drinking AG1. Don't forget also, a double don't forget, if you will, the offer code juicebox at checkout at cozyearth.com. And you can get a test drive of the Omnipod with my link, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Wear it. See what you think. For free. The Diabetes Pro Tip series has been remastered. The audio is magnificent. And it will be re-released in the podcast feed very soon at episode 1000. Look for it. If you've heard it once, listen again. If you've never heard it, oh my my, what are you missing? A lot. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom. Not just Dexcom, the Dexcom G7 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System. Use my link, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Cozy Earth, Athletic Greens, Omnipod, all of them. Use my links, support the show. I am Therese Martinez. Uh, I'm a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer living up in Spokane, Washington. All right, Therese, here we go. So we started recording quickly because we were chatting beforehand and mm -hmm. uh, we want to record. You'll, you'll learn if you start a podcast <laughs> that there is no conversation worth having if it's not being recorded. <laughs> Uh -huh. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Eventually, you'll be having an interesting conversation with somebody. And you'll be like, "I don't want to waste this here." <laughs> uh huh. I feel like I've noticed that with you and Jenny sometimes. It's like that you will have like been talking off, or you're planning on talking off, and then you'll have come on just to like record it. Yeah. Oh, well, it happens a lot. Uh -huh. <laughs> so anyway, you were just saying that you were going to start a podcast about. Tell me what it was about. What it's going to be about. So essentially, bridging the gap between folks that are interested in intuitive eating and don't really have the knowledge base to figure out how to kind of utilize nutrition in a healthy fashion that doesn't require a lot of, you know, recording and over analysis of intake. And usually why people come into intuitive eating in the first place is that they don't want to do that. They want to resolve their relationship with food. But helping individuals come into a space to utilize nutrition effectively and then also pulling people from the other end of the spectrum that are into like optimization. I'm not sure if you're familiar with like biohacking and just kind of like sure. orthorexia and just the other end of like super duper health focused individuals that are kind of trying to find their own balance with how to utilize that knowledge. And again, a healthier way um, to to resolve their relationship with food. And so that's kind of like the gist. And so there'll be a lot of like nutrition education, women's health topics, some nerdy science stuff. 
and uh, and then a lot of I would say more conceptual ideas around nutrition and health and body image and mm-hmm. just yeah trying to kind of bridge the gap there. Is that idea of intuitive eating is that from the book or is that not where that idea started? You know, and there's kind of a rich history with intuitive eating, but yeah, the, there's a there's foundational literature that um, that that started with the book, and then there's kind of been, let's say, just like webs coming off of it. So for me, I'm not a certified intuitive eating counselor. Like I have done a lot of work with it personally, and then additionally with some clients, it's more. Uh, my goal is to help people trust their bodies more. And I do that by helping them heal their bodies to which they can kind of navigate and trust their hunger cues and hunger signaling more mm-hmm. versus, yeah, because it's otherwise, if you have a if you have a compromised metabolic system and it's really hard to actually be able to trust your, you know, what you want to eat. Um, and so because a lot of times, if you are used to eating a certain way, for example, if a person consumes a ton of sugar, there are physiological effects that make you crave sugar more, right? So it's like, you can think that you are trusting your body because you're listening to what it wants. But ultimately, it if you create a healthier foundation in the body, it will kind of crave more appropriate foods to then again, facilitate more appropriate hunger signaling, Hmm. if that makes sense. But I'm also like, very of the mindset, I do not like to, you know, take foods out. I don't really I'm kind of like all foods fit type of approach. But yeah. What's your background, educationally? So I have a bachelor's in kinesiology and a master's in dietetics, nutrition, and exercise physiology. Okay. And you have type 1? Yes. Yeah. How old were you when you were diagnosed? 14. And you're how old now? 34. That was 20 years ago. Uh Uh-huh. So easy. I I got easy math for you. I was thinking about that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty long time. That's uh, regular in MPH, right? Like when I was diagnosed, what I did. Yeah, do you on? know? Do you remember what insulin oh, you used in the very beginning? Man. I honestly want to say that I don't think I was ever on regular. Oh, you okay? You might have been right at the cusp, right? I feel like I've like no. always and forever been a, like a Novolog gal. But oh, I don't know I'm so that... sorry. I'm my math is terrible. Like I, I got so excited because I knew thirty four minus fourteen <laughs> is twenty. Uh-huh. But that's 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 2002. I don't know why I said that. I, I had you uh-huh. in the I had you in the 80s for some reason. That's my fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. So, do you use a pump? I do. I'm on the tandem. Okay. Do you like it? I do. I am someone that really manipulates basal a lot, and so I re- I don't do control IQ. I re- but I really like having the ability to kind of you know do I don't know like a 50 percent basal prepping for a walk or, you know, if I'm seeing my blood sugar drop, I really like the ability to manipulate basal. It's one of the biggest reasons I don't go on um, MGI, right. but, um, but I'm not, you know, and I'm, I'm so used to the tubing now as well that it's, yeah, I like it. I like it. Excellent. So you use the CGM? Yeah. Dexcom. Mm-hmm. Dexcom. Oh, great. Well, so at the very beginning of this, when before we were recording, you started, you were like, I'm going to start. I, I asked you, why do you have such a 
big microphone. <laughs> and, and you said, I'm going to start a podcast. And I was like, oh, no kidding. So you said you might have some questions. I, I would do my best to answer. Just remember, if I say anything that's, that bums you out, please, it's not my fault. I'm not, I'm not trying to bum you out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I would just be curious of, about, like, the, honestly, like, recording. I can see we're doing Zoom. And then what do you use to edit? So I would tell you that a lot of people would say not to use Zoom, but I have a lot of luck with it. And the way I record and edit, I think people would tell you not to do as well. So <laughs> I'm using GarageBand. I record in GarageBand oh. and I and I edit in GarageBand. Mm-hmm. And um, then I I run my file through a program to balance out the audio between your track and my track. Uh, after I do editing, which is generally speaking never for content, um, unless I'm editing out like a curse word. Um, mm-hmm. I only keep the podcast clean because it keeps you in more countries and because there are some people in the world that hear a curse word and it really turns them off. Mm-hmm. And for as many people who enjoy cursing, and there are plenty of them, mm-hmm. I don't want to alienate anybody. So mm-hmm. anyway, so I'll record an episode. And then when I go back, I re-listen to it. I take out weird noises or breaths. Like I have been over COVID recently and just now in between breaths, as I inhaled, my breath bounced like like that, which you might not hear, but I hear and I take it out when I'm editing. Little stuff like that. And uh, okay. then I, I record my ads, put in the bumpers, and uh, output the file. That file then gets, like I said, sc- like scrubbed so that it balances your um, your voice and my voice. So we're, we're equal volumes. And uh, then I put it online to my... Uh, the company that that hosts my podcast and and you're on your way. So you do your own editing. Have you considered like outsourcing? I mean, I'm not paying anybody to do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you're already pretty good at it, then I guess there wouldn't I just get a little overwhelmed with that stuff. I know people do it and with with success, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But I'm in the position of being able to say that this podcast is the entirety of my job. So I probably work about 70 hours a week on it and mm. probably seven or eight of those hours are just recording like you and I are doing now. Mm-hmm. And then the editing is double that time. And then there's probably another hour for making ads and bumpers for each episode. And then there's supporting it on social media and mm-hmm. there is trying to monitor the private Facebook group and then talking to the advertisers and having meetings with them. And uh, that's pretty much the whole thing. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a lot. It's a whole job. Mm-hmm. I, I would say, though, I mean, if you can figure out the editing and I mean, how many episodes do you think you're going to make like a month? I'm thinking like once a one a week is probably I think that's kind of the doable. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have guests? Do you think you're going to use guests or do you think you're going to just oh, talk your talk? I do like a feature already on social media that's called Carrot Talk, where I kind of break down certain topics around body nutrition, you know, what's going on in the research realm. And uh, but mostly it's kind of a an opinion based, you know, little talk. And mm-hmm. so I have I want to do like a feature of that maybe twice a month or something. 
but I would mostly want to have guests. I really, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most is just the, the interaction, the conversation, the discussion, the, all, I just, I, I feel like I was like meant to do this kind of a thing cool. um, because it lights me up so much to, to learn from others and just to also engage around these topics. So definitely a guest. Nice. They're going to be your biggest issue as far as sound quality goes. Mm-hmm. So there's that problem. That's why I use Zoom because it keeps everybody on a reasonably level playing field and they mm-hmm. don't need to know too much to do it. Okay. You have to make them wear headphones. Gotcha. Okay. Or else yeah. your voice will come out of their speaker and go back in their microphone mm. and it'll be doubling all over the place. And there's echoes and you can hear the reason your room got quieter when you put headphones on, I'm guessing, but are you in a room that doesn't have a carpet? It does have a carpet. It does. Is it real thin or is it fluffy? It's kind of fluffy. Mm, Okay. I'm wrong about that then. So uh, that was my my first guess is that you were in a hollow sounding room. Is it a big room? Is that? It's well, big windows. Ah, okay. So they, cause I could hear you bouncing around in there. And okay. it's it's a thing that if you and I would have recorded that way, everyone's ears would have got accustomed to it. But I think the truth about a podcast is maybe before content, it has to sound good. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be successful if it doesn't sound good. Yeah. As yeah. a matter of fact, when new podcasts pop up in my space, if I become aware of them, I might click on them for a second. And if I hear noise, I just immediately think, oh, this one won't be this one won't challenge me in any way and I'll just go away. Mm. I'm like, this isn't even going to be a problem. It's terrible. Nobody's going to listen to all that crap. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, um, so spend a little money on your audio. Make sure you can keep up with it before you spend too much money on equipment because Mm -hmm. it's harder than you think to make a podcast on a schedule. Yeah. What? So, so using zoom though, I've kind of heard read whatever it was that they're, like the internet connection there's something about getting a software that i mean it seems like of course you need to have some kind of internet connection but maybe not like there's something around that where there's remote softwares that or that you could use for remote podcasting is that familiar to you at all what company are you thinking of hosting with i would i kind of was looking at riverside um but buzzsprout I don't know them, but my, okay. my my hosting company does offer where you can record with somebody and the file, they record the file on online. Like you don't even have to record it. You just get the file when, when it's finished. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of okay. what they call that. I'm clicking to try to find out. Mm, I think it's called, yeah, the company's Libsyn and it's called Studio Files. Hmm. They're okay. a little, they're expensive. They're expensive. It based compared to some of the other ones, but it, they've been around a long time. I've never had any trouble with them. They're actually really amazing. Hmm. But yeah, I would, I mean, if you can do that where you guys just get on the same link and have a conversation that's recorded remotely, that might be great. I have no idea. Gotcha. I've never done it before, okay. but I like being in control of everything. So yeah. And hmm. the reason mine doesn't sound like zoom is because I'm not recording in zoom. I'm using zoom to bring in your signal and then I have hardware here that takes the digital signal and makes it analog because Got I have it. an analog signal coming from this mic. This is not a USB microphone. And so I'm I'm blending analog and digital together and then recording it as digital. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't think the way I have the way my computer's set up, I don't think anybody would come in here and think to do it like this. Hmm. Okay. And I, it might be because I didn't know what I was doing when I was setting it up, but <laughs> it works really well. So yeah. Yeah. Any other questions? Do you want to hear how hard it's going to be or how no one's going to hear your app podcast probably and how hard that is to take when that doesn't happen? Wait, say that again? I said, do you want to hear how hard it is when you put all this work into something and put it out on the internet and then look back oh. at it a week later and 30 people downloaded it? <laughs> I'm preparing myself for the resilience needed, uh, more or less, but also getting into it just because of the dang enjoyment. You know, like I'm approaching this just almost as kind of hobby-esque. Mm -hmm. I know that, again, with all of the work, it might get a little bit more taxing than I'm anticipating and how much of a hobby is it going to be? But but I really just anticipate a lot of juice, getting a lot of juice from the conversations and kind of hoping that that continues the drive to create and educate others. And that being sufficient enough, even if I'm not reaching that many people. But it's, yeah, I, I, mean, I agree with that uh, a million percent, because the person who started making this podcast, whoever I was then, my, mm -hmm. my knowledge of diabetes is exponentially larger than that now. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I found that experience in my home or in my life or my daughter's life, although yes, but it's, it's the having the conversations over and over again and mm -hmm. saying something. And then one day thinking, Oh my God, like, how did I never think of that before? Y y yeah. You know, like that's, that's the thing that it does more than anything for the listener and for you as the host mm -hmm. is it kind of gives you a place, a space, an, a, an amount of time where you can, without thinking about anything else, really just delve into this, whatever your topic is. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Like, it's like giving yourself a master's class and not knowing what to teach yourself when you start. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. yeah. The evolution. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. It's terrific. Yeah. I, I really, I think it's amazing. I, uh, having said that, uh, you've got me on the day. At some point in this afternoon, the podcast will achieve its 10 millionth download. No way. Yeah, yeah, today's, the, today's the day. Oh my gosh. It's kind of crazy. Uh, th this is January of 2023. And in January of 2015, I launched the podcast and it had slightly over 1300 downloads that month. Mm. The entirety of 20 of 2015 had, I think 26,000 downloads for the whole year, mm -hmm. like 12 months. This month, the podcast will do well over a half a million this month. I don't want to brag, but that was five months ago. The podcast has over 14 million downloads now. Keep on rolling. Uh, why am I here? Oh, I know. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. The continuous glucose monitor that Arden wears could be in your home. All you have to do is go to the link and get it. You can get the G6 or the G7. Arden is wearing the G7. We love it. Small and easy, baby. Love it, love it, love it. Goes right on, click, click, done. Warm up, 30 minutes, done. Hardly weighs anything. She can't tell she's wearing it. It's difficult to locate under her clothing. You know what I mean? When you can be like, oh, I see somebody's device. It's very hard to see. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. But here's why you really care. When you're wearing a continuous glucose monitor, when you're wearing the Dexcom, you can see the speed and direction of your blood sugar plus the number. What number is it? 
What direction is it moving in? How fast is it moving in that direction? Are you kidding me? In real time? On your iPhone or your Android device? You know when people say uh, the greatest thing since sliced bread? And they argue about if it's air conditioning or what? It's Dexcom. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. I'm going to give you an actual example right now. I've opened my phone. Click. Swipey with the finger. Arden's blood sugar is 142. She just ate about an hour ago. And she's had a cortisone shot recently. So we're using more insulin than normal. And we're able to be aggressive like that because I can see her blood sugar in real time. So her blood sugar started uh, right before the pre-bolus around 90. Yeah, about 95. Pre-bolus did a good job, held her around 110. She went up a little bit 30 minutes after the meal into the 140s. Made it as high as 148. It's coming back down right now. I see 142. I see she's moving a couple of points every minute. And I can see the angle on that graph. I know her blood sugar is heading back where we want it. I'm looking at all of that and interpreting it in real time for you right on my iPhone. You can do this too. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. When you use my links, you're supporting the production of the podcast and helping to keep it free and plentiful. There are links in the show notes of the audio app you're listening in now and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Dexcom and all the sponsors. Please consider using them. my gosh that's just bananas scott i mean like that's like 2015 like you've been doing this for a hot minute and i mean just even being a part of the facebook group it's like it is the it is there's so much going on there i mean like the 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 amount of people that have been impacted i mean it's just wild i I can't imagine just how like that feels for you i don't know i think it's satisfying it's very satisfying and yeah um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. and it and it's um humbling which sounds like a thing people say but it Mm. it, it really it really is (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it took it took so well to give you more context a half half of the 10 million downloads came in like the last 12 months Mm. it took Mm -hmm. i don't think i've ever said this on here but it took four years to get to a million and I didn't know how I was doing. Like I, I had nothing to judge it against, right? Mm-hmm. And then another diabetes podcast that started just a few weeks or maybe a month or so after mine. I forget exactly when. Honestly, it was a long time ago. I noticed they didn't like announce a million downloads. And I was like, well, maybe they're just not going to. But then like a year later, that podcast was like, we have a million downloads. And I thought, okay, I got there a year sooner than they did. Like that was the only thing I had to judge it against, right? I had no idea. I was just, I was judging it against itself and nothing else. But then this outside thing came and I was like, okay, well, it made me feel like I'm like, all right, I must be doing okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then the second million came only 12 months after the first million. So four years to get to a million, five years to get to two million. And then six, seven, six and seven, year six and seven, it took me from 2 million to 5 million. Mm. And then year eight went from five to 10. Yeah. So I have no idea what's going to happen this year. I've never leveled off, which I'm going to knock on something. <laughs> I, I, there's always like, but, but the randomness of it, Therese, this is the point is that um, rough numbers. You'll hear people say there's like 4 million podcasts in the world, but there aren't. Mm-hmm. There's uh, 4 million parked RSS feeds. So somebody, 
got the idea to start a podcast, got, you know, got the name, held onto the name, you know, got the RSS feed for it, never did anything with it. Mm. Of those, however, many millions of, of, of part podcasts that aren't actually published, I think about a half a million of them publish on at least a monthly schedule. Mm. And 90, I forget if it's 95 or 96% of those half a million don't do enough downloads to interest an advertiser. So Mm. 4% of a half a million podcasts are the only ones that have ads on them. And that's that for it, the ads don't need to be important. I'm using it as a, as a metric for how many downloads that, that the episodes right, have. Right. Yeah. So, mm. so you can have an incredibly popular podcast in a niche and it not ever rise to the level of like, like, you know, I don't know, a sheet company coming along and saying, we want to buy sheets. You know, we want to sell sheets on your thing. Right. And the only reason that popped in my head is because I just had a sheet company contact me about buying ads. <laughs> but, um, oh, so, um, but it, it's it doesn't make it not impactful because for all those years prior to when the podcast got bigger, I was still seeing it help people online. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole value of it in the beginning. You, you know, mm-hmm. just like, wow, look at this. And then it gets to the point where you start thinking about, you know, if it reaches 10 people, can I get it to reach 100? If it can reach 100, can I get to 1,000, 1,000, 10,000? You start thinking that way. And then that's about time. At least it was for me. Like, do I have enough time to put into this to grow it? And that's when the advertising became important. Because Was I, there? Oh, sorry. No, no, just because I could uh, ignore other adult responsibilities and put them into the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was there Was there ever self-promoting you did? Like, did you reach out to, like, doctor's offices or, like, other? I mean, I know Jenny, did Jenny, how early did Jenny come on? Jenny was on in the first year as a guest. Okay. okay. And I liked her a lot and she never left my head. And then I <laughs> had her back and then I thought I want to do something more with her. Mm-hmm. And then I asked her if she would help me make the pro tip series. Okay. And that was the first time. And and Jenny's not an employee. She doesn't like make money. From right. Yeah, right. 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 She does it out. Yeah. Of the no, I was just thinking if like, cause I'm sure she probably like mentioned it to some of her, you know, her patients. Right. <laughs> oh, um, and so, oh. Like thinking if there was any any other like promoting that you had done or just let the podcast do its thing and kind of hope that people, others would like talk about it if they listened to it and got something from it, like just leave it up to to those webs or yeah. did you do self-promoting? I genuinely believe that the only thing that can grow a podcast is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't see how you could do. I mean, think about your own life. Have you ever been served an ad for a podcast? Gosh, Probably. not so much. No, they tried a few years ago. When Malcolm Gladwell's podcast came out, he got behind it. He, he was pumping out Facebook ads for it. And you can argue maybe it worked for him, but I don't know what they spent on it. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can advertise a podcast. I think that yeah. you, I think it's like a, I don't know. It's like, it's, hold on a second. Why is my dog barking? There's people in the house. Hold on a second while I text somebody. Do your <laughs> job and stop that dog. There we go. That's to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> We're home today for the, the, she's home for the holiday today. So anyway, I don't think you could spend enough money to advertise your way to success. Yeah. I think you have to put out a thing and this is going to sound pompous, but I don't mean it this way. Like people either like it or they don't. 
Mm-hmm. And and if they do, then you have to hope that they tell somebody else about it. Mm-hmm. It is the entirety of the game. I mean, I rave about po- the podcasts that I listen to, you know, like constantly like talking about them. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I wanted to make one is because I just like I get so much from them. So I can I can see that. And you're not alone in that either, because mm-hmm. there are people who go above and beyond to try to help me get the word out about this podcast. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I hear people say like, oh, my, I got my doctor to listen or my neighbor, or I bumped into somebody somewhere who had a pump and I told them about it. It's mm-hmm. all just, I mean, listen, I, I think, I think this podcast is entertaining, but I think it, at its core, it helps people. And I think that's why they're willing to tell other people about it because there are okay. certainly, there have certainly been reviews of this podcast that say the content of this podcast is amazing. I hate that guy. But I'm ha- boy, that's like the best thing anybody could ever say. It's like, oh, I listen to you and your little podcast, even though I don't like you. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you must really, you must really be good uh, for you. You know, uh, mm. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. It's it's a grind, and you know, six, I've never. I was thinking this today. It's so funny that you're talking about this because as I was approaching ten million, I'm gonna like write a post to thank people about it. And one of the kind of themes that popped in my head while I was thinking about the post was that the podcast, I'm very proud and somewhat disappointed, it has never experienced any kind of viral phenomenon. Like I've never gone from one to ten or from mm-hmm. ten or from ten to a hundred. It's always tiny bit of growth and it plateaus. And then it jumps and then it plateaus, then it jumps and it plateaus. Mm-hmm. But the jumps are never like wow, like, you know, I don't know what must happen when someone goes like on the Joe Rogan experience and says, uh, you know, I, uh, I have a podcast about this. And then the next day they're in the top 100 of all podcasts or something like that. Like I've mm-hmm. never, I've never had an experience like that before. And I, I think that that's why the podcast is stable. And I think it's why the online community is stable as well. Mm-hmm. And so as much as I'd like to see the numbers just jump, I think that it's better for the people who listen to the show if it grows consistently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's pretty much it. I mean, I wish you a ton of luck. It's, it's a lot of work and I, I mean, you have a good, a good focus. So I, I think you'll be yeah. fine. I think you'll do great. Thank you. Yeah, Thank course. you. Yeah. I'm really, I'm excited about it. It's a, uh, I don't know, just kind of trying something new and finding something that gives me, you know, juice where I can also like help other people. It sounds like a pretty, like a, a win-win kind of situation. So it's a great way to spend if, your time. I can tell you that yeah, much. Yeah, being helpful yeah, to other people. Totally. Definitely. Do you want to practice on me? Do you want to interview me? Or do you want to move on and talk about diabetes? But I want to talk about gut health and some other stuff too. So yeah, yeah. All right. No, yeah, that works. Cool. Well, we'll let you, uh, you can think of some of the questions and ask me at the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, so in your intake, you talked a little bit about eating disorders, substance abuse, and coping. Was this from your mm-hmm. personal experience or is this professionally? Personal. Yeah. It's a big reason why I got into the field that I did. What happened? What What was first? Yeah. So, um, so timeline-wise, diagnosed type 1, 14 years old, pretty active individual, right? Like did played sports growing up. And I remember... I was at soccer practice and I just like, I could not drink enough water. I was going to the bathroom constantly and I think I had spaghetti for dinner pre- previously before the uh, practice and I had been losing a lot of weight 
And, and, you know, then that night I got this really crazy bad headache and went to the doctor's um, blood sugar over 400, got driven to uh, Seattle Children's Hospital and they diagnosed me. And in any case, you know, got put back on insulin. And I actually don't remember like a lot of weight gain being an issue, but I remember that was when, you know, I started focusing more on food as Mm -hmm. one would, you know, when they have this diagnosis and these seeds started to get planted of the shoulds and shouldn'ts. Right. And then being 14 years old, going right into high school, I now have this kind of bombardment of pressure to fit in, to look a certain way, to also like getting this kind of, you know, input from People's Magazine and, you know, The Real Housewives or whatever it was at that time where there's, of course, massive focus on the way that I should look and things that I should be eating and shouldn't. And so it just kind of seeds were planted then and watered. Then I just kind of consider like them being watered from a bunch of different sources. And I remember a breakup I had um, in freshman, in my freshman year of high school. I, um, I don't remember like why I thought that this was an option, but it was the first time I engaged in my eating disorder of bulimia where I purged and it, uh, it didn't, it was kind of like a one and done thing at that time, but then it, it grew in my sophomore year and then junior year and senior into this full blown eating disorder combined with having type one diabetes where I was hiding in the bathroom stalls, giving myself insulin um, in high school because I didn't really want, I didn't want people to, you know, I didn't want that attention. I wanted Mm -hmm. attention, but not for that. And so I was trying to highly overcompensate with, from my, the diabetes diagnosis, getting like, you know, really good grades in school, all like IB classes, high level classes, making varsity and all the sports, like really trying to separate myself from this condition. When then in reality, I was just really fueling the the disorder. Um, The substance abuse didn't quite happen, I think, until maybe late high school, and then for sure, in college. And um, can can I ask a question? You said a a breakup, like, did did you like have a conscious thought like if i was thinner this guy wouldn't have broke up i'm assuming it's a guy i'm sorry uh, this yeah person, yeah yeah wouldn't have broke up with me that's a really good I, you don't know how many times i thought about this scott but i don't remember having that like i just remember thinking like if i looked different if i was different somehow Kind of. I think honestly, though, it was like, maybe I need to like, look a certain way then to make sure I will be appealing to others. Um, You know, I find that when I like growing up, I was never like, no one's ever really commented on my body in a negative fashion. Mm -hmm. And so I think there was a, a lot of fearing what would happen if I were to not maintain the look that I had. And so there was, it just started with control, right? It was just, it was a, it was a means of controlling my body so that I could control how other people thought of me, you know, in my mind, that was how it kind of was. And then, you know, 
and especially when my body essentially quote unquote failed me with having diabetes. It's like, you know, what else, what can I make sure I am in control of since I am not in control of like the inside of my body apparently. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Any pressure from parents like snide comments or just like, you know, that mom right. thing when they say like, Oh, you mm-hmm. look so pretty. You look like you gained weight, like that kind of stuff. Right. Did not, you have any of that? Not so much. I mean, I wouldn't say it was anything out of the norm of what everybody else would be saying. You know, if a person, what you'd hear too, like, oh, you look so good. Did you lose weight? Or like, and not even towards me, but like you hear it, you know, when you hear people say that to other people, then that means that like, there's this kind of translation where like, Oh, losing weight equals good. Looking that way equals good. It equals attention. It equals like that self of like that affirmation. And mm-hmm. so even if there was nothing directly towards me, because I saw it with others, I had felt the pressure to maintain something myself. Do you think that that's, um, I mean, people have said to me in the past, like, oh, you look good. Did you lose weight? And it's never like thrust me into an eating disorder. Do you, do you think there's like mm-hmm. a mindset that, that makes that a fertile field or, or yeah. a, a brain chemistry, maybe not mindset. Like I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm asking. I'm just trying to pick through it. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think it's a, it's a multifaceted, right? So it, it kind of depends on the individual and what I consider. So this is a term, I'm not sure if you know who Glennon Doyle is, but um, I know the name. she has this, she has a term called the gas. And, you know, everybody's got this kind of like stamina and the gas can be, you can apply it to a lot of different um, topics. But for example, the gas of external pressures, people have to like look a certain way and be a certain way, right? So basically gas can be magazine pictures. It can be diet fads that get thrown into your face. It can be, you know, social media, it could be your family, it could be the doctor's office, it can telling people to lose weight or, you know, whatever it is, like there can just be this bombardment, this reiteration with your peer group, you know, Mm -hmm. what you see, how you see guys talking about other women and like just all of that. Right. So this is the gas and, and everybody experiences a different degree of it. And they also have a different stamina for it. Right. So like, I know, I know women that have like, you know, really dealt with, you know, parents that give them crap for looking a certain way and then, you know, getting bullied because of their weight or whatever. And they are some of the most confident, like screw you kind of people there are. Right. And then there are others that just don't really have that degree of exposure. Um, and I'm not, you know, like, like for you, for example, you know, you probably have a, have had like a much different childhood and experience than um than you know like a female growing up you know yeah nobody's many- expecting me to be anything like right. visually <laughs> seriously right. yeah yeah nobody I has mean, any ex- I've never once heard anybody look at me and go oh my god Scott would look so much better if his thighs were thicker like you right. know like yeah. and yeah. and the pressures the pressures that you have like you had externally and then how that translated internally you know like are probably very different. And there are just like, 
so I mean, it just it gets so it's so deep, Scott. Like mm-hmm. we it's not just like I want to look better so I can get another like a guy like because how many or, you know, whoever I am attracted to that might be like what I'm told is is um, attracted to this look. Yeah, it's a really it's like a it's a self worth thing and a respect from society people crave. I mean, how many how many people are married that you may know that still talk about diets they want to go on, look how better. And they're in like great flourishing relationships. It's like, well, they're good to go when it comes to finding a significant other. Why are they still trying to look a certain way? And a lot of it is acceptance. It's, it's insecurity with how they, they fit in, in, in this society yeah. and, and what they, and what others might think of them, right? Like what does, looking unhealthy equate to does it mean that they're lazy does it mean that they you know aren't prioritizing their health and what does that mean for the individual right and so it it comes down to a degree of self-worth that we have been told for our whole lives and then additionally that you know we aren't going to be lovable and accepted um if we don't which is just, or that there's the narrative that we are on, that people are unhealthy in certain bodies that do not fit that mold. And so it's and just been, yeah. Oh, like, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't, I thought you were done. Like, oh, that's okay. That's no. yeah, basically. Yeah. When you're saying told, you mean like by external influences, not necessarily saying the words directly to you, but the things that other people find important or popular or something, you look at those things and you think, well, I'm not, I'm not enough of that Mm -hmm. or whatever that thing is. So that's being told. Being told is just seeing it outside. Yeah. The, the gas, the exposure, um, to, to that, or yeah, or even for, for individuals that they are told specifically that they need to lose weight too. I mean, it can be much more direct. It just never was for me. It's fast. I I find it like the whole thing is really interesting. I mean, Mm -hmm. it sucks to be like, to say that about the way people, you know, struggle, but it, it is fascinating. It's fascinating to see two people in the exact same situation and one of them just acts like it's not happening and the other person seems very impacted by it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah it's totally. crazy. It's just really, it's it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. For the person it's happening to, it's terrible. But from an outside perspective, uh, it's just, I'm it's endlessly interested by it. So, yeah. So the eating disorder stuff turns into substances. You mean drugs? Mostly alcohol. Alcohol. And um, and that was, I mean, I don't want to say a natural evolution because I definitely know you don't drink. I know other people that like never got into drinking in the first place that like never been hungover, which is like wild to me. (laughs) But like just because of where I was in my life, like, and like later on in high school, kind of like, I don't know what the groups that I was hanging out with, it was just around, it was around at parties. And then it just got to be an escape. Um, you know, and, and after a lot of therapy, I mean, um, so many years, I had made this connection with alcohol and diabetes, where, you know, since, like, given the exhaustive nature of, managing your blood sugar every single minute of every day, alcohol and, you know, drugs in general can be a wonderful relief from that duty, even though it's not that it gets gone, but you can kind of feel like it's not there for the time being. And Mm. 
And I think I did that rather subconsciously. And then in addition to the, like, you know, the narrative that is society telling me that, you know, the way to have fun is with alcohol and this is how you get attention from boys and this is how you can, you know, like maintain popularity and whatever all of that was too. But I also had made that connection with, with, uh, with diabetes and, and alcohol for a while. Can I ask a question that's going to sound really harsh and I don't mean it to, but I've gone through it in my head three times. And I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> what is, I'm not talking to you directly. It's the conversation. When you say like, you know, uh, using drinking as an example and, and like, this is what I'm supposed to do to gain acceptance and to meet mm-hmm. boys and et cetera. And like, wh- where's the line that says like, you could have also just said, well, that would work, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I guess that would have taken more influence of, or like knowing the other routes and having those look appealing. You know, I guess at the time, nothing else really had the same kind of appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, then like my family, like my parents have drinks and like they don't like, you know, get drunk or whatever, but like it's been around so i'd always like just assumed that that was the way the truth in the life you know you know yeah it's just like the life it's like that's how that's the next step right it's kind of like going to college and getting a job and a 401k or getting married like all of that thing it's like oh this is just part of what you do in life and and i wish i knew differently on a lot of those things at this point but um but that is you know being one of them for sure it's just, it's fascinating to me because I had no good modeling growing up at all. Like mm. none. And my kids had good modeling and uh, around this topic. And I don't know, like, and you hear people say things like, oh, I went to therapy and now I'm doing much better. And you think, well, they sh- you know, would it have been cool if they could have gone to therapy before it happened? Or forget therapy, but like if someone would have just told them, like, it feels like, it feels like what I hear you saying is that I grew up, I didn't know any better. I, I fell into these things. At some point, they became overwhelming, and I realized I shouldn't be involved in them. A therapist explained to me the right way to be, and that's what I do now. Is that does that like at, at its base level? Am I following that correctly? Yeah, I mean, to a certain degree. Um, there's a there's an aspect I, of it I'm missing. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, but, I yeah. think that like like a hundred percent having like a, a different like intervention more or less like at an earlier age to intervene with the behavior, but be it my eating disorder or alcohol, or whatever I think would have benefit. And that's why I would also like, I've got five almost like, well, four, four nieces at this point. And so my, I have massive intention of like really facilitating positive body image and nutrition and like, and anything to kind of help them see how they can really have fun and get juiced up without substances, you know, all of that because of my own personal experience and wanting that kind of, you know, those other options and that other, the understanding to be different. Mm -hmm. But ultimately I also like, I don't know, through the therapy and the continued introspection and self-reflection and evaluation of like why I continued the behavior for so long. And now the way that I am not, and I'm not saying that I am 
like without issues at this point. Um, but the continued evaluation provides like such, um, I don't know, like a, a much more well-rounded understanding and therefore a better ability to help others and continue to help the healing of others that have experienced similar, you know, concerns and issues as myself. And mm. just to get on like nip it in the bud, essentially, right? Get ahead of it before things get worse for other individuals. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I don't think there's any, obviously an answer. And I, I also was not saying I'm perfect. I'm just, you know, just in, around drinking uh, as the as the example. Mm, I, I don't mm. understand. I don't get it. Like I just none of it makes. And, and I don't mean it like pejoratively. Like I don't get it. What you the decision you made? I mean, like it doesn't strike me at all. Like I can't. I I, I don't know how to articulate enough that you could. There could be. <laughs> you could fill this room with drinking happiness. And I'd be like, "Oh, I gotta leave this room. Like, I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to leave here now." And and I don't know why. Nobody in my family was uh, drank. There was no like drunkenness that I saw. Uh, there was, I mean, some drinking. My dad drank beer. My mom would have wine periodically. There pe- weren't. Nobody was a teetotaler, but nobody. I'm just saying, people weren't falling over at events. You know what I mean? Like right. And so I don't have a a perspective even from either like dra- drastic side of it mm-hmm. i just i just know that when it's happening i don't know what to call it like i want to call it common sense but that seems insulting so i'm not saying that because i don't yeah. also i also don't think that's what it is it just mm-hmm. it, it just i i repel that idea like I, I'm, we're like two opposite magnets when it happens and i, I yeah. couldn't i couldn't begin to explain the science behind it um which yeah. is why i find it really fascinating but it's it's also terrific to hear people tell stories like this and and see how they came out the other side of them. Yeah. And I'm in a particular place right now because somehow my schedule got this is going to sound odd and um my schedule somehow got so full of young women who have tried to commit suicide over the last 7 days and I don't know how that happened. It wasn't on purpose, but I have now recorded like 3 episodes in a row around that topic. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, my brain is deep into why do things happen to people, you know? Yeah. You know? yeah. So anyway. it's, I mean, I just kind of go back to the, the, you know, the analogy of the gas. Like, I mean, cause I feel like if I didn't, I mean, alcohol is kind of complicated in the fact that it is addictive as well. Right. But you have these different like influencers too. And then your own desire to like, kind of fit in, I suppose, into these certain social circumstances that may, you know, have it around. And, and then it just gets reiterated and reiterated. And then all of a sudden, you've kind of like have this developed habit. And if you, you escaped that initially, then it seems like, of course, you wouldn't have the appeal. And then you're kind of on the other side and seeing like, behavior that doesn't look appealing. And you know, like, you're not there was no seed planted of like, this is fun. Maybe I want to continue this. And so therefore you just don't even have that route to deal with. I wonder too, how much of it has to do with the idea that I've never, I don't have any recollection of a time where I wanted to fit in with other people. Mm, Like I've never, I've never looked at a section of like, like as a kid and been like, Oh, those kids are really super athletic and play a lot of sports. I want to be part of that. Or there's the drug mm-hmm. kids. I want to be a part of that. I mm-hmm. I've never felt like that. I um 
I sometimes feel like I wish people could see things the way I see them. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, when I was very young and people would ask me what I wanted to do for a living, I told them I wanted to like write books or movies. Mm-hmm. And when people asked me why, I said I would like it if people could see the world the way I see it. Mm-hmm. But that was my only like childish answer. Hmm. So I don't know. Interesting. Like, I, yeah. Gosh, that's yeah, that's cool though. I mean, like, I'm envious of that. I feel honestly embarrassed, like saying, "Don't you worry, know, I like, feel boring." <laughs> what well, do you think of that? <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, it's like, yeah, like I don't feel like anyone really wants to admit that they are driven for like to be accepted by other people so significantly that they like drive themselves to damage their body in the degree that they do, and like. Ugh, I don't know. I'm I'm part of like a, a, I also do a lot of like looking into diabulimia, you know, just any eating yeah. disorders in general with type one. And oh my gosh, it's like it just makes me my my heart just breaks. Like hearing what some of these individuals, you know, put their bodies through because of the the absolute terrifying nature of gaining weight. And it's like, to me, like if I weren't to have already just, you know, dealt with an eating disorder for decades of my life, it's like, I would look at that and be like, how, why, why in the world are you doing this to yourself? This like, how is it so important to do that? Like, you're going to lose a limb. What do you think about your, you know, your body then? And it's like all of those judgments, but mostly I just get so upset with the gas, like going back to it, just like how society has like really catered to that narrative and what that does to people to be, you know, to, to many people, at least yeah. to give you an odd perspective. I've often wished that I felt that a little bit because like cared I, more uh, about, about my body. Mm. Like I've said on here before and I, I won't go into deep detail, but I don't see myself. I see myself as my thoughts. Mm. Like when you, if you asked me to describe who I am, I would describe to you how I think about things. Mm-hmm. And and so I there's part of me that thinks that if I felt this is going to sound ridiculous, but if I felt a tiny bit of the pressure that you felt, a little bit of it might have been good for me, mm-hmm. because I might have thought, well, like maybe I should go for a walk. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. and and yet I don't like I I don't know I, I am aware. No, that's not even fair. When I was younger, I knew I was chubby, mm-hmm. and as an adult, I don't think about it. Hmm. I, I, if I look at pictures, like I go back in history, there are a couple of times in some of my photos that I think I wish I looked better here, but it's because I want my kids to enjoy the photos. Hmm. I think about the future. I don't want them to look at it and think, oh, like my dad was carrying 20 pounds. He shouldn't have here. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's very little to do. But now if my health was impacted, I would suddenly care a whole lot. Right. You know, right? It, it's, yeah. it's super weird the lines mm-hmm. you're like you draw on your head. You know, yeah, or the just the motives, right? Just all of yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. The, I don't have any like, I don't know, like I don't want to be able to throw something through something or lift something or I, I know I, I don't have any desire to walk into a room and have like people look at me and go, oh, attractive. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have that feeling. I'm the only time I'm aware of it if I speak on stage. I, I, and they want to film it. I tell people, I'm like, you have to get a, above me. 
Like, mm-hmm. you can, I'm like, you cannot shoot up from me at me from the ground. <laughs> if, yeah. you do, if you do that, you're not allowed to use the, as a matter of fact, the um, touch by type one put out this big video of uh, their last event that I know I was filmed for like an hour and a half for that I don't I don't appear in for more than a split second. And when I didn't appear <laughs> in it, people, uh, somebody said to me, like, are you upset that you're not in that video? I was like, upset? They listened to me. <laughs> I, like, oh. I, I, I said, they are, they are, um, they are respecting my wishes right now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't want to be shot. I don't want, I don't want my chin shot from underneath. See, but then why? If you don't care, then why? That's the why? only time I care. It's a double chin is the only thing I care about. What does a double chin say about you? I have no idea. Truth I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I hate it though. I really dislike it. If I got plastic surgery tomorrow, I would have my, my, I would have the fat under my chin sucked out. Huh. That is the See, thing that's... I would. If you gave me five grand, you're like you have to spend this on plastic surgery. That's exactly <laughs> what I would do. So, huh. yeah. I don't know. I can't tell you why. It's the one thing about it's the one thing about my appearance that if I see it, I'm bothered by. Mm-hmm. But if I don't see it, I don't think of myself that way. Yeah. I don't know how to explain that at all. So yeah. Yeah, no, well, just kind of interesting because it's still something, right? It's still some. It's still oh, caring. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but oh, it's, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think anybody doesn't care at all. Like that, right? Right. That, you know, that's. But, I just have enough that I don't know. I've joked about it on here in a number of different ways. Like I think everybody needs like a little bit of narcissism, like the healthy kind, where they can okay. just be like, I don't care about what you think, because you know, I just like, and I don't usually double up recordings, but I've recorded already today. Hmm. To know that there was, you know, 20 years ago, this young girl around the age you were when you were having these troubles and she she tries to take her life. And when she, when her mother finds out, her mother says, like, why would you do this to me? And mm-hmm. what are the what are people going to think? And like and that that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like like that's the kind of stuff that I don't. I can't wrap any of my head around it all mm-hmm. and to see how it impacted her throughout her life. And by the way, she's doing terrific now. And 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 that's what I was going to say about your story too, is I like talking about this because at the end of it, most often what I hear is I'm doing really well now, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, yeah. that's encouraging because if, if we can't like, I think we just spent a half an hour deciding that there's no rhyme or reason for why some people react one way and some people react another way. So in the situation, in the reality where some people are going to react in the way you described, isn't it great to hear that there's a, a point where you can relieve yourself of it as well? Totally. And I, I, I would like to highlight though, that I, I don't know if there is like an after, um, like that. I, I saw this, uh, kind of interesting, I don't know, uh, I'm going to make an analogy where, you know, when people do before and after pictures for like weight loss programs or, you know, whatever diets and stuff where the, this gal was talking about how, you know, the after picture isn't really after because it's, it's just that snapshot in time. Like once you're done with the, like the diet or whatever it is like when is after really like you have the rest of your life now so like what about the after in six months a year two years all of that right yeah. so it's still like there's no there's finish not, line right and right. i would consider like for me i'm not you know like i'm not i'm not sober it wasn't really ever my intention to be like sober it mm-hmm. was like my intention for all of my therapy all of my 
self in inquiries, self introspection, like all the, like that I continue to do every single day is to get to know myself better and then understand the behaviors because they serve a purpose. I think that that's really important to understand. Like Mm -hmm. they, they're serving a purpose. It's not just like they are there just because, right? Like, uh, like I would even say with the high school thing, it's not necessarily like you don't just get in and stick to boozing and, and binging and purging just like because you saw like it advertised or something somewhere. It's like you find it works for you somehow for yeah. something. And so then to identify what that is and to additionally do the work outside of it to, to help remedy when you take the behavior away is really important. It's kind of like, you know, being a dry drunk where you, you might not booze, but you're not connecting why you did in the first place to anything and doing any of the other work with it. And so I think it's incredibly important to understand that I'm not here to say that like you, there's never a light at the end of the tunnel. I am better and healthier today than I have been in my whole life. And it's taken a lot of work, but a lot of really amazing, amazing work. You know, it's not like, yeah. Um, And so so I just think that it's, yeah. You and I are saying the same thing and we're using different words because I didn't mean, because I don't see people this way. I don't mean that as the example of the, of the person from the other thing that I didn't mean that, you know, there was a time in her life when she was depressed and she tried to hurt herself. And now you know, she's a, I don't know, a pencil sketch of, of a princess and mm-hmm. everything's perfect. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, mean yeah. that. I mean that, that it didn't kill her. Right, There's a light right. at the end of the tunnel. She doesn't live in the same horror that she lived mm-hmm. in at that moment. It's not the same. It might not be the same reality that a person who never went through what she went through realizes, mm-hmm. but for her, it's a massive improvement mm-hmm. and, and a totally. real, and a real life that she's living where she's not mm-hmm. tortured constantly. And mm-hmm. is that is that about what you're saying like it's it's a process yeah. and you're always going to be going through it so you can never really consider yourself I guess completely free of it? Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't trying to like no, negate you did a anything good job anything, of... anything you were saying. No, I was no, adding no. on. I just didn't want to yeah, there to be a misconception of like I'm like clean and sober for 20 years now or whatever, you know, whatever. Oh, I didn't take you that way. No, I didn't take you that way. No, for sure. I just wanted to clarify in case that was confusing for anyone, but like, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. And I think that it's just, I think it, it's so for me when I like going through my eating disorder, it was so helpful whenever I could just latch onto hope, Mm -hmm. right? Like that was like, I have hope, right? Because when you don't have hope, you don't have anything when you're going through that crap. Like you just feel like it's going to be like that forever. And you are in the thick of it and you are never going to get better because you haven't proven to yourself that you can get better. And if you don't have any evidence for anyone ever getting better, it's really hard. So um, I think it's so helpful to say and see these stories for others that might be struggling, that there is hope that things can get better. And there is also, you know, like, it's also just freaking life, man. It's just yeah. a journey. And there, there's going to be like, there's, there going to be ebbs and flows to how a person, you know, 
comes to the other side or lives on the other side and goes back to the other, like the former side and then comes back. And, you know, it's like, it's just understanding and giving yourself grace in the journey, I think is just equally as important as just trying to have that time, like for my, and and my experiences, like having like time, quote unquote, clean of disordered behavior. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think we're kind of same. Yeah. Page no, hundred percent. I, um, so here's a little tip for you when you're making your podcast. Sometimes people say things and then you say it a different way. So it gets reiterated. So the person listening has time to listen to a complex idea oh, and hear there it again. We go. Sometimes okay. I say things because I'm putting myself in the shoes of the other person mm. who's listening. But I appreciate your, <laughs> your um, where, yeah, I wasn't worried that you thought like, no, you idiot. <laughs> that's not what I meant. Um, but, but, but it's worth talking about because it really is. And it's worth talking about in depth because mm-hmm. I do think that that's, I think that, I think that both things can exist at the same time, that you can mm-hmm. be a person who's experienced a thing and is never going to be quite free of it, but it doesn't mean that you have to live like shackled to it either. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's all. Yeah. Oh, very good. Okay. So, what do you know about this gut health stuff? Because mm. I want very badly to bring more of it into the podcast, but every time I look into it and I pay attention to people who are talking about it, I think, ah, wacko. And then I don't listen anymore. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. but, but I've seen, you You listen to the show, don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's, there's like things that I've like, I've learned that are working for Arden and for me, you know, that have clearly to do with the balance of whatever exists in my stomach and my mm-hmm. digestive tract. But have you had any personal experience with it? Yeah. So a lot of my research has revolved around the gut microbiome and it's one of the the targeted areas in like with what I do with my own, in my work, right. Yeah. With my own clients because of the, ugh the nature of the gut involving everything else in the body, right? So like I talked about people kind of improving their relationship with food and developing body trust and then healing the body um, kind of from the inside out to help again, facilitate more accurate hunger signaling and again, kind of go into more body trust. So the gut microbiome and I have not listened. I'm not sure of all the episodes that you've had with gut specialists or anything. So I'm. Um, well, I've had none oh. because I can't. I can't bring myself to invite one of them. Oh, okay. Because every uh, time I look, I go seems right. Then they get a little crunchy, hippie, weird, and then I'm like, eh, never mind. <laughs> and like so, I can't find the one. I can't find the balance between medical certainty and the ability to speak around medical certainty. Like okay. I don't, I just don't find that person. If you want to be that person. Okay. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah. Let me see how I can roll this out. And if it feels uh, kind of appropriate in that sense. So, yeah. Um. so I kind of got into the gut microbiome, honestly, when I started learning about its relationship with immunity and it was like a 70 to 80% of your immune system resides in your gut. I have an autoimmune condition what's the relationship here? Right. Right, right. So then I was kind of dug into like how the health of your gut and like impacts your immune system, how a compromised gut microbiome with the perfect storm um, can trigger autoimmunity. And so then I was like, okay, so how, how do you improve the health of your gut? 
and it's really interesting. And I don't know, just like a quick, a quickie little blip on what the gut microbiome is for those that might be a little confused here. I guys, I was told this one way of explanation and I really like it. It's a good little visual. So, you know, you got a tube from your mouth to your anus. And so technically like everything inside that tube is like outside of your body, which is kind of wild, but, but you go down your digestive tract, you know, esophagus, stomach, small intestine, you've got some bacteria in your small intestine, you actually have a whole mouth biome too. I mean, there's tons of bacteria in your mouth that actually impact your gut and the rest of your body, but we'll just keep going down, down the tract. Um, so some bacteria in the small intestine, if you have too much bacteria in the small intestine, you actually can um, have something called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which leads to a lot of symptoms like um, bloating and uh, indigestion, cramping a little bit higher up, um, you know, in the tract. And so a lot of people have issues sometimes even when they eat kind of healthier foods like cruciferous vegetables or garlic and onions, and they get bloating after that, which is unfortunate because it's their foods that are promoted to be really healthy. But in any case, if you have bacteria in the wrong places, like the small intestine um, too much, it can actually cause a lot of GI distress. So if you keep going down into the large intestine, this is where we have the bulk of these bacteria. And uh, we've got a diversity. So that basically the different kinds of bacteria and then the ratio of sort of, to put it simply good and not so good bacteria. And so where people, so these bacteria play a massive role in health. They can impact um, their skin health. There's like hormonal health, inflammation in general, how you digest foods, how you utilize nutrients of foods um, and it just, the, it's, there's a whole cascade. There's a gut brain connection. There's like a ton of different ties to mental health and the state of your gut. And so having the appropriate distribution of bacteria and the right the diversity, so the diversity and the ratio is really important. And that's one part, that's like the biome, but that's one half of gut health. The other half is the lining of your digestive tract and how important that is in maintaining this proper working unit, right? So mm -hmm. if you have a compromised lining of your gut, of that GI tract, then you can continue to have issues with inflammation and um, problems kind of cascading out throughout the rest of the body. So when a person is trying to help heal their gut, they want to feed the right bacteria and in the right fashion. And then additionally, uh, consume nutrients that facilitate uh, keeping those tight junctions along the digestive tract, well, tight. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of the basis of like gut health and what it looks like. I, I have to say that I've seen enough of it in my life, my personal life that I believe in it. Mm -hmm. And and I wish there was more targeted ways to deal with it because you know it 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 runs the you run the gamut of like someone on Instagram dancing to a song and then pointing to their screen where they're like eat sauerkraut do and you're like oh, all right yeah. okay well I can't eat sauerkraut every day mm -hmm. and, and 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 then it's you know 
take a take a probiotic, mm-hmm. but they don't tell you which ones or how many mm-hmm. and why or when or anything like that or what it is I'm looking for. Um, right. Um, the only the only things we've figured out so far is that um, a digestive enzyme assists Arden with her digestion, mm-hmm. and we assume her digestion is poor because of her pancreas uh, being wacky. That she wasn't eliminating on a schedule, so we added uh, magnesium oxide, which completely helped with that. Mm-hmm. You know, that probiotics didn't seem to be working when she wasn't digesting food well, but after she was digesting food well, the probiotics seemed to have a good effect on her. In terms of regular bowel movements? In terms of just overall general happiness with the process from your mouth to your butt. Got it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because because we tried to throw probiotics in. I've put this this way a couple times in the podcast, but she was not digesting her food well, Mm -hmm. and we tried to throw probiotics in there, but it felt like you were throwing like a tiny chlorine tablet into a cesspool. Like it just it didn't have any chance. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So once we got the digestion running and the elimination running, then I think her stomach, as an example, was probably a more I don't know. a reasonable place to try to put the probiotics again to seed those again, and it, and everything seems to be going very well since then. Good, yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, there's um, there are a lot of kind of, I mean, for sure, like digestive enzymes can help. Sometimes there's even like issues with stomach acid, right? And and just I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of ways a person can tackle like improving digestion and mm-hmm. like that aren't necessarily like just gut microbiome like concentrated, but it does have a huge role in that. And I just like to also reiterate the role that it has in like so many other functions in the body. And it's tough, like you mentioned. I mean, people can say have a probiotic, have kombucha and sauerkraut, and like these are all great, you know, yogurt, great for your your gut health and when you have when you don't treat the individual as an individual and or if they don't understand where to get the appropriate information like i said you can have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth you can take a probiotic those guys are going to set up camp in the small intestine and you're going to make that issues worse right yeah. so you it's important to understand where you state where you are like with your own health and then get things catered to it and so some of these other i don't know um kind of like, like even not necessarily just the magnesium, but some people will latch on to, okay, you know, this, you know, Metamucil helped me go to the bathroom. So I just take it every single time I need to go to the bathroom versus understanding why in the world are you not going to the bathroom without Metamucil, you know? Oh my God, Teresa, what a great example. I had trouble my whole life and Metamucil fixed it for me. Uh I thought, I thought, but it didn't really. It just masked it. Mm-hmm. It it just made sure that everything ran through so efficiently that I couldn't outwardly. I wasn't certain of of my problems being there anymore. But now that I do what Arden does, I, a little bit of a digestive enzyme when I eat, probiotic every day, the magnesium oxide every day, mm-hmm. I eliminate fine, and I don't use the fiber anymore. Yeah, yeah. Is re- yeah, but and, I thought the fiber is what I was missing. Right. And to a certain degree, like, you may not have been getting adequate fiber, like, sure. otherwise, right? Like, if you're looking at your kind of, again, root, root issues, like, perhaps you you did need to essentially, like, feed certain bacteria to kind of get things, like, help with gut motility, which is basically the movement of 
uh, you know, crap. <laughs> and, um, and so like, but I would still be curious to kind of look at the intake in the first place, you know, cause it's the same thing with the digestive enzyme. It's like, okay, why isn't the body producing enough? And sometimes it's a very legitimate reason and it's very okay to be have these things. But I, I do really like to keep backing it up for lack of a better term, I suppose, you know, to understand <laughs> why you are the way that you are. Cause otherwise I get just concerned about band-aids and then not, then, you know, kind of um, compounding issues down the line. And so it can be really helpful to have that evaluation. Right. Well, I, I, I was, I was having problems with stomach acid mm. and I don't have those problems anymore either. Oh, okay. So it's just interesting how just getting everything moving was, and, and you're, and I did not do, my kids both did like a gut health test mm -hmm. where, for people who don't know, you basically you shit on a piece of cardboard and send it off to somebody and they test it. Mm -hmm. And um, and my they both came back where in, in different states of being. My son was really pretty close to being like perfect as far as the testing went, but Arden had too much of what you were talking about. She had too much, I guess, bad growth mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and not enough um, not enough good. But like I said, then they wanted to give her these things, but no, nothing worked. But I think it was just because the process inside of her was working so slowly that her stomach was just inhospitable. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know? Well, so. gosh, and the other thing too, I mean, I noticed this, I mean, across the board with some with with clients, but when you when you start having regular bowel movements, like people don't understand like that's like for like for anyone, but for women especially, like having appropriate bowel movements is a is a way to detox estrogen like that's how you get rid of estrogen in your body one of the ways and like so it can help facilitate better hormonal balance in your body as well which can regulate periods it can regulate cycles in general and also mm -hmm. like moods but all of that like there's a massive tie to the the hormonal stuff and then and skin issues too i feel like a lot of folks with, with type one even have like a lot of skin issues. And if we kind of take a look, okay, we already are compromised. We've got an autoimmune condition. So is that like, when knowing the connection that the gut has with immunity, like, um, where else is this having a tie with the rest of the manifestations of symptoms in our body? Right. And so a lot mm -hmm. of times we, we start catering to the health of our gut. We can see this, like, you know, cascade of events, Otherwise, I mean, mental health, skin health, hormonal health. I mean, it's crazy just by pooping better, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, no, I, I, um, I, yeah. I am not in a position to disagree with that. I obviously, I don't, I don't know the, I don't know the, I was going to say ins and outs, but there's so many weird <laughs> euphemisms. But I, know, because... I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know the, the science behind it. Obviously I don't have any specific knowledge of it, but I can just say that anecdotally it's been really valuable. Uh, for the people mm. in my house, yeah. so um, yeah. and Arden's Arden's skin did clear up, uh, not completely, but significantly. Mm. She's now she's she's now back to the the skin irritation on her face that you would expect from a person her age, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of what it was prior, which was pretty significant. Yeah, um, and she also added. I don't know if you've ever heard of this uh, Ovacetol. Mm. It's it's a it's um. See how the company describes it. 
Oh, is this inositol? Like a O V A S I T O L. Yeah, it looks like a a brand of inositol. Inositol is like supposed to be extremely helpful for folks. Um, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, kind of re- like I know a lot of folks that have PCOS take inositol, but otherwise just regulation. Where if you don't mind, is sharing why she is taking it and if it's helping that. Oh yeah, because she was getting her period all the time. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, and a monthly nosebleed. And was, you know, low on iron because of how much she was bleeding and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, couldn't stomach certain foods from like hormonal stuff. And um, she started taking it and it really, it, it's amazing how it helped. Like she, she straightened out her stomach and added this to her life at the same time. Oh my and, gosh. I just, yeah, that makes me feel so good for her. Like, cause yeah. what a, yeah, that's both no, of those. She I mean, was tortured before. Yeah. Ser- seriously, um, for a couple of years. Oh, gosh. Ugh. Yeah. That's how long it took me to figure this out, by the way. Oh, my because word. Because, and you know this because you have type 1, but because so many symptoms mimic other things that can be autoimmune. Mm-hmm. And so you just chase all these things down different pathways, and you're like, oh, okay, it's not that. It's not mm-hmm. this. It's not that. It's not this. You get to the end, and... Finally, the doctor that was helping us was just like, this This part could just be hormonal, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we so we tried birth control pills, which didn't help anything. Mm. Uh, it stopped, it regulated the bleeding, and it stopped the nosebleed. But mm-hmm. she, but Arden was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to take birth control pills. Mm-hmm. And like, they made her feel other ways that she didn't enjoy. And she's, you know, it, it was, yeah, the Ovacetol, which you're right, is a brand name for something. It's an inositol, yeah. Inositol supplement. Just really stunning how well it helped her. And then she came home for a break from school and got off her schedule and stopped taking it. And things got wonky again. Mm. And then she went back on it. Now she's been building it back up again. And she's starting to feel better and better as time passes again. So wow. really fascinating. I, I'm dying to know why the nosebleed. Yeah, that is super cute. Did you have any input from practitioners that like had theories around it or no no nobody's really but it's very um on a schedule like when it happened it happened once a month almost to the day but wasn't but wasn't around her period there's part of me that wants to like like, i don't know like one day we'll have somebody look up her nose and see because she'll still get one every now and again but it's not like it used to be does she get a headache when it happens, or is it just kind of like a random? Just the nose bleed. bleeding comes out of nowhere. No nose where comes out of nowhere. It stops and it's over. But it's a, it's oh, a fair God. amount of blood. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder, does she track her like like ovulation and stuff? Like her just other things with her. I'm just wondering if there's a fluctuation, particularly with her hormone levels at that time. Yeah, I mean, I she we used to. It, we yeah. used to have a period tracker when we were trying to figure it out that we were using. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm certain, like just anecdotally again, I'm certain that's what it is. I was paying attention yeah. to it for years, like, uh, like you know, like Sherlock Holmes. And so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. It gets fascinating. If you told me there was a, if you told me that Arden had a, what, what, what is it? It was PCOS when mm-hmm. there's like parts of your lady parts get outside of your lady parts right and then Endo, you, endometriosis. endometriosis is what i'm thinking mm-hmm. of. if you told me that there was those cells in arden's nose i would have believed you by what was happening yeah yeah sure yeah. And i don't know if that's possible but i would have believed you it was that yeah. that's how cyclical it was 
Wow. Huh. I'm like, and does she, does she get them now or not, not since the inositol or the ovacetol? She got one while she was home, but she stopped taking the ovacetol. And then we sent her back and I haven't heard, and she's been taking it daily again. And I haven't heard about a nosebleed since then. Hmm. So I think it's, it's got some, it's hormonal for sure. Yeah. Um, did you look up, uh, like endometriosis, endometriosis in the nose? Uh, just now when I said it out loud for the first time, the nasal, <laughs> yeah, I just the, did too. Yeah. The nasal, nasal mu- go, uh-huh. ahead, go ahead, go ahead, read it. <laughs> nasal mucosa is an exceptional localization for endometriosis. Um, this is a PubMed article. Is that the one that you saw yep. up, up top? Yeah. We, we re- report a case observed in a woman who developed nasal tumefaction associated with epistaxis that had followed a cyclic repetitive pattern since puberty. Surgical excision of the nasal nodule confirmed the diagnosis of endometriosis. All right. Well, that's what we'll do when Arden comes home for summertime. That'll be exciting for her. (laughs) Has she gotten any scans otherwise, like just in terms of cysts or endometriosis, like... um, down the lower she had a cyst by her fallopian tube that she had removed once Mm -hmm. she had pain that we couldn't uh impact and the doctor removed it called it uh called it a pocket of fluid you know technically speaking and arden had it taken out and for a while she felt better Mm. so yeah i don't know but arden's looked into it she came to me one time she's like there's a doctor in i think georgia she told me that does endometriosis removal as a surgery they they Mm. it said it's very like obviously like specific work that they do but Mm -hmm. she's been very good lately so but i'll tell you what the nose thing though it's Mm. so it's so worth going to a an ears eyes nose and throat doctor and saying that to them and letting them look in her nose yeah just makes sense you know all right that'll be we'll do that i'm not saying saying that'll be fun but that's on the list yeah, I'm curious now. That's yeah. I've never heard of that, so that was interesting for me. I actually made myself a note, so. Yeah. <laughs> so is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to? Oh, gosh. I mean, I just feel like I can talk on this topic all day. Um, but What do people do? What, what do they need to do for themselves? For... In general, like, if you're having trouble eliminating or you're bloated or you just don't feel like that process works well in you like what do you do due to the like unique nature of our bodies um like i just find that having someone that knows what they're talking about help you and take a look at you can be really beneficial just because of the chaos that is the internet otherwise if people feel like they really want to trial things on their own it's just i see this all the time when people are trying like different diets or they come they come to me and they're like i tried everything and i you know like i'm having issues with x y and z and it's like they'll it won't be very methodical implementation of whatever they're doing right they'll throw they'll start taking 17 different supplements at once and it's like and not really have any idea what's working what's not they will you know not really follow a way of eating very well um, for a period of time to know if that's working. And so it's just really helpful to get the guidance of the steps too of, of what to um, what can be helpful to eat. I would say like very basically 
they're, you know, looking at your food intake um, and kind of seeing what you are like feeding the bacteria. So, you know, if you're, if you're consuming like a lot of sugar, a lot of carbohydrates, and this is not to like poo poo on either. I eat both. Mm -hmm. I, you feed certain bacteria, right? When you feed the bacteria that like the sugar, you know, for example, those bacteria start to flourish. When you have flourishing bacteria, they communicate with your brain to eat more sugar. So literally, it's not you that's like craving the sugar um, when you are wanting it. Again, there's variables too. This is simplifying it. But um, but you want to consider how you are nourishing the, these bacteria. The good beneficial bacteria thrive off of what are called polyphenols, like plant nutrients and good um and, and various fibers. Mm -hmm. So what I recommend for folks is trying to diversify the amount of plant foods that they're consuming. And with that said, not everyone can handle all the plant foods based off of the healthier gut. Like I mentioned with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Sometimes a person cannot just like ramp up their fiber intake and their, you know, their greens and their, their fruits and veggies because they're, they can't tolerate it. Yeah. But if you can diversify a little bit, you can then start feeding a more diverse uh, population of bacteria in your gut. And that tends to be really beneficial overall for your health. Also watching things that aggravate the gut, right? So um, ironically, not ironic alcohol, you know, it's definitely one that wreaks havoc in on, on the gut. Um, certain processed foods and, uh, you know, sugar sometimes more or not more, more often than not, I just like to think about what to incorporate in. I really don't like to focus on what to eliminate and generally a diversity of plant foods and good, healthy, like, um, you know, well-sourced animal products. If you have the means to, to get good quality, it's, it's great. Things like bone broth. Um, I know that's kind of uh, a little bit of a, I don't know if fads the appropriate term right now, but it, they bone broth, good quality bone broth, where it's got that like gelatinization is really good for the lining of your gut. Um, like uh, L-glutamine, glycine, like, these are like very helpful mm -hmm. nutrients um, and working on just kind of, you know, inflammation in general. Um, oh, herbs, um, fresh herbs are, and, and like, uh, Roots like turmeric and ginger and garlic, those tend to be amazing. And they're one of the ways I like to focus on improving gut health because you can flavor up food that you're consuming with a really yummy like herbs and spices. And they're that alone would be really helpful for your gut. You know, not necessarily changing a ton of the food you're consuming, but utilizing different like herbs and spices are another really great way to help the bacteria. Hmm. Wow, that's fascinating. Thank you so much. I And you have that all in your head, which is really, you'll be good at the podcasting thing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I love, I mean, there's just, again, so much more to talk about. There's, um, and there's always, always more to talk about with relationship to food um, as well. You know, I think that that's, I kind of like to, to, help people give themselves some grace when it comes to shifting their food intake, just because like 
food is so much more than eat this, not that, right? It's habitual, cultural, emotional, psychological, physiological. Like there are so many reasons why you eat what you do when you do. And it's important for people to recognize that when they are trying to shift their dietary patterns, because otherwise you feel like you just fail on white knuckling your way through this. And it is not easy to change what you eat. Like you have myelinated pathways that, that control a lot of your thought patterns and desires and cravings. And in addition to how your body is set up from child, from birth, you actually set up your gut microbiome from birth. Hmm. Um, and so in any case, not just gut related, but it's like, again, very com, um, complex. And so I think it's really helpful for people to know that and recognize it because it takes time to untangle, you know, diet culture, crap that we're fed. It takes time to relearn how to um, eat within your means and ability and like, and also figure out what works best for you and stay consistent with it. And consistency is, is definitely key, but I really like to reiterate that because people get frustrated pretty quick and it's, it's tough. I mean, I study this, I've been like learning about this for like, you know, the past 10 years and plus, but like more professionally in the past, like five ten, mm -hmm. And I still have loads of work to do with my own self. And it is like on the forefront of my mind all day, every day. So mm -hmm. it can take a while. Well, I'm going to try drinking bone broth for a month to see if I feel differently. Is that a good okay. amount? Is that a goodly amount of time or should I go longer? A month would be great. Like, are you going to do, I would say like, like how weekly on a, how frequently on a I'm weekly. I'm reading that I can drink up to a cup of day. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think that you, I mean, it would be interesting to trial it. I would say you, you're probably good to go just a, a few times a week, mm -hmm. but you can like, I mean, I'll get after it. it if you want. What, and does it matter if it's chicken or beef? You know, I would do both. I personally find beef to be a little bit more nutrient dense, mm -hmm. but but also what are you, what brand are you looking at a brand? Or are you going to make it? I, well, I'm not going to make it because <laughs> I don't have a cow here that I feel like I want to murder, uh, and <laughs> actually don't have a cow at all. <laughs> but I but um, I'm assuming I could also buy like bones at the, mm -hmm. the grocery. That's mm -hmm. not the point. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll probably buy it. So do I uh -huh. buy it like liquid? reconstituted like what is there any way yeah so there's uh like i don't i don't know if i want to throw brands out here if that's appropriate but there are certain brands i can like let you know after or something um that are more reputable you can say one. again okay care. so yeah so like like kettle and fire tends to be a really good brand for bone broth um epic those, they also kind of have different flavors as well that I think are pretty palatable. A lot of times people don't like to just heat bone broth up and sip it. Mm -hmm. I kind of do, but but you can include it in, a lot of times I'll put it in like soups where I'm, maybe it's like a veg, like a more plant-based soup, but yeah, yeah. I add in bone broth to ramp up the protein and other nutrients. But yeah, Kettle and Fire, Epic, I want to say, is it Bonafide potentially? 
Come on. I, they um, must have been I'm thrilled in... when they named that one. They must have been like, oh my yeah. God, this is available. Go bona fide. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um I highly recommend for anyone else listening that has like I I, I purchase like a, a grass half of a grass fed cow every year. So I get a lot of bones and like the liver and all the goodies and stuff. And I just actually made a batch in the Instapot. You run it through a couple cycles with a bunch of different like herbs and things, and it like it makes it. I mean, it looks like jello. There's like an oddly satisfying thing for me to like see that because I just know the nutrients that that means it has. <laughs> but mm. it really is. Um, it can be uh, much more affordable to make it your own self because like you'll. I don't know if you see the cost of these things, but if you want to have it every day, a cup every day. A lot of those are like eight bucks a, yeah, a pop. Expensive. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. So that's why I kind of was saying you don't have to do it every day. But again, it's you are your own N1 experiment here, Scott. So yeah, well, I have nothing but happens. time. My children have abandoned me. My son's got a job out of state. My daughter's <laughs> at college. There's nothing left. I can do whatever I want now. Um, yeah, 70, 70 hours a week podcasting. Well, yes, I have very little time. But in the time, I'm going to try Broomball and see what happens. Okay. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Cool. What what do you imagine that if I saw a benefit from it, what do you think I would see? Oh, good question. I would say if you would kind of, is there anything that you can pinpoint that screams inflammation to you with your body? Yeah. Like, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. How about I don't eat very much food? I'm the fattest person who doesn't eat you'll ever meet in your life. Okay. Yeah. And joint pain. Like mm-hmm. just cre- creakiness, mm-hmm. not like there you go, not like R A, but like creaky joint yeah. pain, um, yeah. muscle uh, tightness. Like I'll, I'll like have like I'll get pulled muscles, but I won't really pull mm-hmm. anything. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Stiffness in my back, my lower back stiffness that goes away if I'm on a steroid. Okay, um, you know, these are all actually really good. So I would. Yeah. What you can do is just really take note of how, like, maybe even write it down, like, on a scale from 1 to 10, how creaky you are today. And mm-hmm. then, you know, like, rate it and then, you know, start consuming the bone broth and maybe rate it, like, every week. Um, so you can kind of see if there's, like, pro- progress in that regard. I would say the the joints for sure would be something, um, any kind of indigestion a person might have also, um, just because of you know, the nature of it kind of helping with that. And then uh, even things like, um, uh, like sleep quality could okay. be something you rate. I don't know how you sleep. I but sleep that, like a um, rock, but thank you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can be um, sometimes for folks, you know, a lot of times they have, they're rich in, uh, in electrolytes too. So having magnesium can, um, and a good like potassium, salt, magnesium, like, those can also help facilitate better recovery. If a person were to like work out and, and have bone broth, it can, and then additionally with the protein and the amino acid profile, like there um, that can help with soreness and achiness and recovery from workouts or just recovery from life and things. But so those, those would be areas that you could look at. Gotcha. All right. I'm in. I, and cool. now, and now I know you can buy half a cow somewhere. So, oh gosh, yeah, that's I recommend doing that. I mean, I got this averaged out to be like 370 a pound, and I got like 225. And I mean, 
that's really good compared to what beef looks like in the stores these yeah, yeah. days. And, um, and the quality is just like, it's just, it's wonderful. Gotcha. So. All right. Well, I am going to go buy a, I'm not going to go buy a cow, but I am, <laughs> I, I am, I am going to try the bone broth and I do appreciate you doing this very much. I can't, I can't thank you enough. Actually, we, we used up so much time. You can't even practice being a podcaster on me. We're out of time for you to ask me questions. Oh, so, shoot. Okay. Do you well. have one? Did you come up with one or no? I honestly, no. No, that's all right. <laughs> I mean, I have a, a ton, I'm sure. I just it wasn't, I was too busy talking to, to brainstorm. I'm just teasing you. If you asked me a question, I would just talk forever, and that would not be fun for anybody. I love talking. So, uh, and you I got do a little, too. I, I got like a little bit in at the beginning, maybe for like asking about, about the podcasting stuff. It was it, like a it, little mini interview. I would just tell you it's difficult and time consuming and doesn't pay you back immediately. So if you can, <laughs> if you can tough it out and, and break through to another level and people resonate with what you're, what you're talking about and share it with others, you'll have a great time and, and it, it will like, it, it will be very fulfilling even that way. Not to say, by the way, not to say that you can't make a podcast that a hundred people hear a week and that that's not a great thing. I mean, it's absolutely mm-hmm. a terrific thing. I just, I got caught in the place where I saw value I wanted to help more people. The only way I could help more people was to get more downloads. Mm-hmm. And so you get brought into that that thing where it takes a lot of time and then time is money. And if you, you know, if I, I need a job. Right. Like, you know, so mm-hmm. how do you make money, do something good for somebody and maintain the value it has? That's, mm-hmm. um, I'll tell you what, man, that's a, that's a tightrope. So, yeah. Totally. Uh, I feel like I've done it, but every once in a while, someone online lets me know that they don't think I have. So to them, I say, <laughs> I'm trying very hard and I, I'm doing my best. If you don't like it, start your own podcast. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Anyway. All right. Hold on one second for me. Okay. Okay. Thanks. A huge thanks to Therese for coming on and having that great conversation. And I want to thank Dexcom for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox podcast. Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox. Go get yourself a G7 or a G6 right now with my link. Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, go find the private Facebook group. It's free and it has just about 41,000 members in it now. Juicebox podcast type 1 diabetes on Facebook. But I don't care what kind of diabetes you have. If you have diabetes or you love somebody with diabetes, type 1, type 2, a lot of, I don't gestational, I don't care. Come find the group. It's fantastic. When you support the Juicebox podcast by clicking on the advertiser's links, you are helping to keep the show free and plentiful. I am certainly not asking you to buy something that you don't want, but if you're going to buy something or use a device from one of the advertisers, Getting your purchases set up through my links is incredibly helpful. So if you have the desire or the need, please consider using Juicebox podcast links to make your purchases.